I want you to turn with me this morning over in Matthew chapter 14. I have preached the message to myself this last week that I preached last Sunday probably 30 plus times. I have gone this week with an altogether different appreciation for the God that Hezekiah prayed to that I talked about last week, especially when he described him in his prayer and the one that has been in my heart ever since the pulpit last Sunday was that he prayed to the God that sits between the cherub. That mercy seat, that place of absolute acceptance to where I can lay the things that are against my life into the hands of our God, and he is the omnipotent. It, it, it has all week long given me a different concept of, of approaching the Lord. In Matthew 14, I'll join you there in just a minute, uh, but I want to talk practically to us today uh, and uh, as a pastor, I'll try to be brief. We have a lot of folk traveling today. This is, I think, some of the break, fall break for some folk and classes, but uh, we'll, just, we'll just expect them to be here again. Amen? Um, you hear much today about words like faith and fear. I know that since the COVID thing, we have heard much about fear and thank God much about faith. One thing I've learned about these two things called fear and faith, they actually submit or actually respond, demand a response. We either have them or we do not. I heard a story years ago where a man was praying and he was praying loudly. And a fellow petitioner finally nudged him and said something like this, you don't have to yell, God isn't deaf. If you've been around Pentecostals, you know some of that. <laughs> but the man who was praying loudly stopped and, and, and said in response, no, and he's not nervous either. <laughs> it's kind of... Touche there. If you study it, you'll find out that fervency is often the product of urgency. And urgency sometimes requires fervency. James chapter 5 declares that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Urgency comes many times because there is fear present. And when there's fear present, faith has a way of fleeing. Faith and fear are opposites. Here's something to think about. Faith can be the child of fear, but, but fear can never be produced by faith. Fear and faith cannot rule in the same heart. We're either following one or the other. So for we believers to maintain a faith that is sovereign, that is real, that is genuine. It will be done as we battle the enemy against fear. It has to be done. It's a choice. I don't know what you're facing in your life today and all of you who are on the media watching us today. I don't know what may be going on in your world. But I do know that whatever it is, whatever issue Satan comes at you with presently, it will be based in some kind of fear. 
And all fear is based in the concept of usually some kind of loss. Fear comes because we're afraid we will lose something, a business, a a, a family member, on and on and on, any kind of loss financially. It will mature your pilgrimage with God, ladies and gentlemen, to constantly remind the enemy of our soul what Paul wrote to or what Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. This is the verse we've heard for months and months now. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many of you are glad for that? That means a sober, disciplined ability to think. And I think when it talks about he has not given us the spirit of fear, in the spirit realm, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have the power to think with a natural mind, but aren't you glad the Holy Spirit resides in us and he teaches us how to think in the spirit also? And when we read this book, we become accustomed to hearing the voice not only of our natural world and reasoning, but the spirit of God teaches us and leads us and sustains us. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11 and 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let me just tell you, it it goes on to say, but he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I interpret that as this. It's impossible without faith to please God. But when we come with faith, God is a good God and he rewards us. But I just want to tell you, we get into times during our struggle in life and through our pilgrimage on this terrestrial ball, at times we need miracles. There just comes a time where man has done all he can do. The human mind and the human abilities and giftings and all that are ineffective. There's a place and a time where we must rely on the supernatural. So I want to talk about a formula for miracles. I think we're familiar with this part of the ministry of Christ, Matthew 14. We've stood so long, I'll just let you remain. This is familiar territory, and I I just want to share with you something from it this morning. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out, How? For fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Watch this. There should always be in the midst of the Christian life, no matter the experience, there should be a joy and a peace. And he said, Be of good cheer. Cheer up. Don't let Satan rob your joy. (laughs) It is I. There's assurance. And then he says, do not be afraid. Those are three straightforward major things that our Christ talks about. And Peter answered him and said, watch this. If there's anybody in the New Testament I think I can identify with, it's probably Simon Peter. Impetuous, many times so zealous to run out in front of God. How many of you are patient people? 
I didn't think you'd raise your hand. If you did, your mate would pull some of you back. They would know. It would just be, just be an unusual thing for us to be really patient. But I suppose we're supposed to work on it. Scripture says so. But here's Peter. Watch his reaction. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. If he just stopped there, I wonder what it would be like. Lord, if it really is you, command me to come to you. But for whatever reason, maybe it's just Peter, but he said, on the water. I think that's a, that's a prepositional phrase that need not be neglected. Lord, if it is you, do something. How many of us fall short there? But, but let's go the other way. How many of you also ask God to pray and you sometimes tell him how you want it done? I just thought I'd get busybody there for a minute. He said, walk on the water. Command me to come to you on the water. So he, Christ said, one word, what was it? Come. Imagine that. Let's go back to that scene. This isn't any average storm. These are professional fishermen. We'll talk about it later. And these guys are without any help. And he says, if it is you. How many have ever been in an impossibility in your life before? How many have faced something you had no answers for? <laughs> Here he is. And all Jesus said was come. Come. That's amazing to me. But watch this. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, look at the report. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. I want you to know that I literally believe this absolutely, physically, literally happened. Jesus literally walked on the water. Listen, the creator who sits and stands in nothing and speaks into nothing and de declares and commands everything that exists to coming to existence. I look what, look what old Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge said years ago when he preached on the sovereignty of God. He said he created it, commanded it with his voice. He put it in nothing, hung it in nothing, and it's been there ever since. <laughs> Listen, this is the sovereign God, ladies and gentlemen, that we serve. And all he said was come, and he walked on the water. This man got down out of the boat, walked on the water to Jesus. Don't you wish your faith story could end there? What a great testimony. What an evangelist. How many of you know this was young in the Christian? These, these guys had just heard, follow me. They didn't know a lot about this. Matter of fact, I'll show you something in a minute in the verse followings. But when he saw, now Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Have you ever tried to step out in faith and it got worse? Listen, it was safer to say, let me walk on the water in the boat. But you've got to get out of the boat. It was safer. 
But then fear came because, listen, when, when you take a step of faith, Satan will come. If you're going, let's get something straight for our lifetime. If you and I are going to align ourselves with God, Satan is going to be opposed against you all your days. Just a fact of life. And you say, you get this problem behind you, wow, I'm through with problems. I really doubt that. Because we're on a sin-cursed planet, and Satan's pretty, uh, he's pretty stubborn. Here he is, he said, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, catch these words, O you of little faith. Why did you doubt? But let, let me tell you, there are other places where he said, you of no faith. But he had little faith. He was young in the Lord. You owe ye of little, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And watch this verse. This is one I said we'd come to. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Meaning Christ and Peter, when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Watch this. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That's the first time in Scripture we see where the disciples worshiped Christ as God. All they did otherwise was follow me. But here they worshiped him. I want to talk to you this morning about this walk of faith, like walking on the water. You will walk, ladies and gentlemen, with the Lord in a supernatural walk with no visible means to sustain you. There will be times when you will walk and take steps where there's no place to walk and no place to step. Isn't it amazing this journey God asks us to take with us he, where we would see things that can't be seen. We would experience things that can't be experienced. We can walk where you can't walk. All these kind of things is a walk of faith and yet we serve the supernatural God. Wow. In this account, I wanted to show you that two people walked on the water. Jesus and Peter. As a matter of fact, Peter walked twice. From my perception, he walked out and he walked back. On the water because of Christ. I think sometimes we're unfair one with the other. I think our, our human nature still in, in the way it is. How many have ever been disgusted with the fact that you're in faith and you love God and you want to do good by fellow men and all that? And you, How many of us will confess in our life that we have been far too critical many times? We have been far too critical, not only of those who do not believe, but we've been far too critical about those of our precious same faith or even Christians. I think that's a major thing that we should pray about. But watch this. It's important. We, we emphasize Peter's failure. We emphasize the moment of his weakness. That sinking feeling experience that Peter had, and we've all had it now, trying to serve the Lord. We experience that that. Failure focus, if you will, when we should 
Really, I think probably as I was reading through this, I think sometimes instead of emphasizing Peter's weakness and his failure, I think we should maybe look at the rest of the disciples who never even attempted to get out of the boat. I want to focus this morning for a moment on this walk right quickly in this faith. Going out, Peter was walking with his eyes on the Christ. Coming back, he was walking with Christ hand in hand. In the middle of that was a major exchange between them. I will tell you that I've been serving the Lord most of my life, but I have come to faith with Christ, and then I realize that if I don't stay hand in hand with him, ladies and gentlemen, I'm no match for the enemy, but with God I'm more than a conqueror. Our eyes on him, our hand in his hand. We, ladies and gentlemen, still in 2020, regardless of what this, er, this year brings and what the next century brings, if the Lord tarries, I want to share with you, we can do what Peter did. We can, dock, we can walk where there's no place to walk. We can walk where there's no place to put our feet. If God says, come, well, thank you for that overwhelming amen. So let me say amen belongs there. Notice verse 24. The wind was contrary. I do not like that word. How many of you like the word contrary? I just don't like that word. It just, it's just, I guess it's because I'm quite familiar with things being contrary. And I looked up the dictionary because I've heard people call it contrary, and I've heard them call it contrary. You pronounce it any way you want. I don't like it. I just don't like it. This is contrary means direct opposition. It means absolute adverse. I have lived many chapters in my life as a pastor in the ministry where things are contrary. But you have also, haven't you? How many of you know that Satan is a dedicated foe? Contrary. And can I tell you that I've kind of learned to, to turn it through, through the word of God when Satan comes and he gets contrary, I decide since I don't like the word that much, maybe he doesn't like it and I want to be contrary to him. <laughs> I want to announce to you life is like that. Satan is going to make life contrary. So watch this. These, these disciples, for the most part, were veteran sailors. These guys were professionals. They had been at this all their life. The Sea of Galilee is not a large sea. You can stand on one shore and see all the way across to the other side. And by most standards, those who, who look at this sea and read this, I've looked at them and read commentaries, they should, this journey says they should have been across the sea by dark. But the wind was contrary. I want to call it just a minute, first of all, a wrong wind. Have you ever started out for what is right and it seems like everything goes wrong? 
And do you, do you have the feeling sometime, wait a minute, Lord, and we'll get there further in a minute, but wait a minute, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm the one that said I accept you as Savior, and on and on. And here is a wind. Here's, here I come in faith, and it's wrong. How many have ever tried to do right, and you've been wronged? Under the concept of a wrong win, let me go on to the next one. Does it, when you feel like you, you start to do right and, and you've been wronged or things aren't going right, this is wrong. Sometimes faith will tell us, when I say the Lord, I have this God, why is everything going wrong? It seems like the Lord could have, let me just say, first of all, provided a tailwind. How many of you know what a tailwind is? I mean, it's the wind that's helping you. It's the wind to your back. It's the wind that pushes you on. And if Jesus said, come, and these guys, by the way, he's the one that sent them across the sea. Isn't he? He's the one that sent them across the sea. So why this wrong wind? Lord, why not a tailwind? After all, we're trying to obey you. Lord, you called me to do something. I thought you'd help me. A tailwind would have been mighty helpful. But secondly, Lord, what about, what about even a crosswind? Now, I may not like that, and it may take more efforts, but sailors know what to do with crosswinds. They do what is called tack, and they zigzag back and forth, catching the wind in their sails for them. But there wasn't a crosswind. There wasn't a tailwind. There wasn't a crosswind. Well, how about, Lord, if, if, if you want us to obey and make us successful, how about no wind at all? Because, listen, they know how to row. We can do that. But instead of a tailwind or a crosswind or no wind, they had a wrong wind. Contrary, opposite of everything we're trying to do to follow the Lord. A kind of a wind even experienced sailors can't Manage. I will tell you this, you won't, you won't be living in the Christian realm very long. You'll find out that human effort is pretty limited. And the longer I live, the more I understand that age happens in us. I will tell you the more vulnerable I feel. How many of you remember when you were 18 and had a hard body and you just about thought you were pretty substantial? <laughs> There are some who try to make us believe that when the Lord tells you to do something, everything can and will and must go perfectly from that point on. I put this on. I think they'll put it up on the screen. I wrote this in. A peaches and cream and moonlight and roses version of God's will, ladies and gentlemen, is not scriptural. The scripture doesn't even suggest that concept. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus declared, in this life, you're going to have all kinds of trouble. But the promise is, you and I will encounter those and I will make you victorious. I want to tell you, that's a guarantee. But it takes faith. And we're going to get there in a minute. 
If you read Hebrews 11 about heroes of the faith, you'll discover that all of whom accomplished great things for God are the ones who also had great difficulties along the way. But they faced it, not just as a noun. You'd think sometime in the last 30 years that the scripture said, get a mountain of faith to move a mustard seed. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this faith thing sometimes is not only a noun, it must be a verb. I must faith it every day these guys in, 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 in Hebrews 11 great difficulties truth is even when doing God's will you're going to experience contrary wind and that's one reason and one reason enough that you and I as fellow Christians, as fellow travelers, you and I of like precious faith, of all the people on this planet, those who come under the blood-washed banner of God, we should support one another and not point out our weaknesses. Oh, what would it do across a revival in America if the church got in one place and one mind and one accord and let the Holy Spirit of God refill us with a spirit and do something about this lost planet? This contrary wind blew on past midnight and even past 3 a.m. Scripture said in the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus in this boisterous storm came walking on the water. If you'll let me use my imagination a little bit, I think I may know something about or at least gesture about what these disciples might have been thinking. Listen, these people that experience this in the Scripture, we have a tendency to canonize them or, or take the humanity away, but these are just normal people like us. I think they might have been saying, what are we doing out here? What reason would the Lord have for us to be doing this? After all, Lord, we're getting beat up out here. You know what? This is threatening our life. This is beyond what we know. This is beyond our ability. And we said we'd follow you. What, what's going on? And I'm trying to identify with all of us. Contrary winds, fighting, struggling, trouble, trouble, shake, timber, fear. And watch this, suddenly Jesus came walking to them right on top, notice this, of what was causing their trouble. You know, if he'd just come in an apparition or something, but right on the very thing that was tearing their boat all to pieces. Folks, let's face it, even when we consider ourselves in the kingdom and we are, in a sense, we know God's very elect, we like smooth sailing. When young people tell me I feel like I'm called to the ministry, one of my first, Brother Cargo, Brother Ron, one of the first things I say, come on down, there's room at the cross. <laughs> We like smooth sailing. But right, watch this. Yet, it's common that Jesus will come to us right in the midst of the very thing that's causing us our trouble. So they need a miracle. I identify. They need an answer. I identify. 
God's Word gives what I'm going to call this formula for the miraculous, but it starts with something we might not expect. We, we tend to get excited about the wonder of miracles. And some, I've seen it in my lifetime, they drive thousands of miles, fly hundreds of miles to see miraculous things. And I have no quarrel with those who have miracles and great revivals and all that thing, all those things. But before you have the wonder of miracles, by the way, from this point on is my message, all that's been introduction. Okay, you ready? Point number one, before you have the wonder of miracles, you have to have the word of miracles. Peter had that word. For Peter, it was the word come. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. And I just feel the intensity of that moment for Peter and even the Christ when he's out there on that water and here's Peter in a desperate place and he said, if it's you, bid me come. And he just said, come. As if the water and the storms and the danger and the boat and the fear were non-existent. Listen, God, Jesus never gets nervous. Like the story up front. I think sometimes we try to take our situations and place it, as I mentioned, over on the Lord, and we think if we're having trouble and can't do anything, that he must be experiencing the same. Have you ever heard any saints say, well, we just need to pray harder? <laughs> harder? Pray harder. I was listening to a great minister the other day whom I admire greatly. I just, you ever heard somebody speak and you say, Lord, why didn't you spread some of that around? Let me get a little of it. I've been envious of a lot of those ministers my whole life. Alistair Begg, by name, he made this statement and it, it could be considered controversial, but you have to understand. He said, we need to really understand that there's no power in prayer. And hey, I've got E.M. Bounds books on power of prayer and all that. Don't misunderstand. He says there's, it's not power in the prayer. It's power in God. We go, he provides the power because we prayed. So power in prayer. But ladies and gentlemen, we don't have to pray harder. We just have to pray in faith. Wow. The word... He just said, come. Watch this. Not until he had that word could he dare step out of that ship. The rest of the disciples didn't have it. They stayed. They didn't ask. They didn't hear it. They stayed. I will tell you this much. Knowing me, if I had been there in that boat and I had seen that situation, I will tell you what I really believe I would do. If I were there and I were among those disciples and I think my life is in danger and I'm beyond my, my person, I mean my professionalism and I'm trying to follow the Lord and he's promised to be the Messiah and I've already laid this, this job aside, this career. And when Peter said, if it is you, bid me come. And he said, come. I think my urgency is this. I've seen this for hours enough. Can I come too? Wouldn't you think that? 
hey, if he's going to have a miracle, I want a miracle. But hear me, I believe he would have to say to me, come. Because you should not try to ride on somebody else's miracle. Because you know what? I hear these people all over the place. I've seen it. And I'll quit meddling in a minute. But we hear people, oh, I go over here, get a word from them, get a word from them, get a word from them. In all due respects to the, the gifts of the Scripture and all due respects to the gifting of God's ministers, I want to tell you something. God prefers to talk directly to you rather than through somebody else. It's a personal thing. And we somehow think that sometimes somebody's supernatural to us. I want to tell you God is the one that's supernatural. I would have said, can I come too? But Peter stepped out. The first word, verse was the word. The second part of this recipe is work. Peter had to do his part. If he'd have said, come, sometimes we want God, well, if he's the God of miracles and he's the supernatural on and on, we want God to do it all. We really do. Listen, there are times when I thought, I thought I, when I got the ministry of Brother Cargo, I thought everybody would like me and love me like my mama. I really did. Oh, honey, I know you made a mistake, but you're my son. You're the best son. You're the best looking son. Of course, I'm the only son. I, I, I thought everybody would just like, I, it'd just be wonderful. But Peter had to do his part. He literally, physically, tangibly got out of that ship. Back to that faithing it. Remember, the wind's contrary, hadn't settled yet. And because of that, Peter could have said, did you hear that? He said, I can walk on water. I know I can. He said I can. I think that ought to be a confession of all of us, having heard the word, then get to work on the word. He could have said that. And watch this. Once it had happened, he could have talked about it for hours. You guys know I'm the only one that got out there and back. You stayed here. <laughs> I'm trying to hit everybody I can, I guess. But you never walk on contrary, troubled waters in storms while sitting in the safety of the ship. Some Christians are fond of saying, be careful. Let's not... <laughs> I, I, I just thought of this. Let's not go overboard. <laughs> but the only person besides Jesus that walked on the water had to go overboard. What that means is he didn't get so fanatical he was looked at and scorned. What it meant was he had to leave his comfort zone and he took that word come and he put, as it were, effort to it. It was the word and then the work. I've seen bumper stickers. How many of you remember reading the bumper sticker called God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I have two. I saw one I like better. It says this, God said it, that settles it whether I believe it or not. And the third one is the word, the work, and then it's the wonder. The wonder.
And here we are, the wonder of the miracles. Peter actually walked on that water. I don't know if the waves leveled out and it was flat. I don't know if he stepped on it and it went up and down. I think that would be a blast. I'd love to stop and tell a story about Andy Wilkerson being with us in Canada fishing in five-foot waves, but you can tell them, Andy. The word, the work, and the wonder. Listen, when I first took my first pastorate, it was a little town of about 4,000 people. My first pastorate, I didn't know how to pastor. I wasn't raised in a pastor's home. I was raised in a deacon's home. And I left a great job and I left a sense of great security. At least I thought I was frankly making more money after I came out of the military than I thought I'd ever make. And yet I was serving the Lord. I was singing. I was in the choir. I taught Sunday school. I did all those things and yet I was so miserable. Listen, until you get in the will of God and walk in faith, life's not going to add up right. My wife and I wrestled with that. Thank God for her patience. But I came to this little town the first Saturday night before I took the pulpit as a pastor. Frankly, I was scared to death. I did not know what to do. That's the reason I told the Lord I would sing because you know the words. But when it comes time to preach sometime, you don't know the words. My dad said to me, when I had my everything loaded up on a U-Haul trailer and my wife driving a car behind me and I said, Dad, what am I gonna do? I don't, I don't have any insurance, I don't have any hospitalization. I have nothing. And most of you have heard this story. He listened to the whole of what he said. He said, son, I'll tell you exactly what you'll do. You'll trust God for a change. And my big dad, I can't tell you what that did to me. And he went on to say, you're going to Arkansas. There's a lot of pine trees out there. You keep you an altar out in those pine trees and you and God are a majority. I remembered that that Saturday night. I was praying, Lord, I'm going to walk into a pulpit. I know nothing about what I'm doing. These people should be pastoring me. I know they forgot more about the word than I probably know. I feel so inadequate. But these words came to me, one word. Just like when Peter said, if it's you, bid me. And he said, come. I will never forget about 1030 on a Saturday night in Arkansas where the Lord said, build. And I knew from that second, from that second, God wanted me to build a church. Not only a corrugation, but a building. And that sounded so far from reason. But when I heard the Lord, I just took off in that faith and I went to work. A few years later, he said another word to me. Build a TV station. I, I, I had no idea. I was told in that town that you'll never, we had an old church downtown, was told in that entire city, business fathers, you'll never own a piece of property out on the major highway, the bypass of town because it's commercial and it's, we're, we're the men, frankly, they had the money and we had nothing. But I will tell you this, God had said build to my spirit. I had the word. 
I went to work, and six and a half years later, six years later, on December 1984, I built a new church on 16 acres of property on the highway, and it had a television station in it, just like he said. Ladies and gentlemen, you may, that's the wonder, that's the Several years ago, here, some of you haven't heard this story. I was driving down Northwest Highway, headed east to go to where the, this church was previously. I was in a contrary wind. There was a storm on this congregation. And I had prayed and prayed and prayed. I have never felt so defeated in my whole life. And God and I were having a conversation, and those of you that have had these, you understand. I, it wasn't verbal in the sense, it wasn't audible, but spirit to spirit was speaking. And I said, Lord, I'm so frustrated. I have been here for 11 years. I am getting nowhere, God. I've done everything I know to do. It just seems like Satan has a stronghold. And I, everything about me, my church previous, Dan and Tyler, called me three times. Would you please come back? And I wanted to go three times. And please don't take that to heart because I realized the Lord wouldn't loose me, but I didn't know what to do. This may come as a shock to you, but pastors don't have all the answers. But we serve a God that does. And I was wrestling. I was wrestling. God, I just want to drive away. Frankly, I want to just drive by and not even wave. I don't, I, I am so covered. Lord, it looks like to me the boat's about to go down and the storms are beyond me. And he kind of said to me, what do you want to do? I said, I want to leave. And I'll just tell you, the Lord said to me, you're not leaving. And let's say, that's the way my dad used to say it. He didn't, he didn't play words. You're not leaving. And I said to the Lord, well, then if I, can't, if I can't leave, what am I going to do? And he said, what do you want to do? And one of the things that had been in my heart for all these times, I felt like I needed to get away from stigma. And I said, Lord, I'd like to move it. And the Lord said, move it. Just like that. And for the first time after 11 and a half years, I had the word. And I went to work. Ladies and gentlemen... On April 15, 2007, we opened these doors. And I've driven on this parking lot off of this beautiful location ever since, enjoying the wonder of it. Because I didn't build this building. And we didn't build this building. We didn't buy this land. I want to tell you, the hand of the Lord. God forbid we take any credit for it. I know there's bigger churches. I know there's better, I guess, all that, but there's no better people. All I want to say to you in 2020 is this. Generation 2020, we have a situation that the world would never have thought. Our world, our nation, our society's in a storm. I'm just going to tell you something. Our future is going to require a supernatural walk with God. It's going to require some miracles along the way. Will you let me speculate just for a minute about what I think might happen? Never considered myself a prophet at all. I'm not. But I can tell you this. 
based on the Word of God. I believe we're in the last days. I believe that God's working His plan. And we're all upset about it. Rightly so. We're human beings. We don't like change. We don't want to get out of our ruts and patterns and all that. And when we do, it upsets us and we have fear and all that. But can I tell you this? God's working His plan. Hadn't changed one thing God's going to be doing. God's going to march it right on just like He intended. Here's the good news. Here's what I believe. I believe we may go through some rough storms. I believe there may be some rough winds, but this much I know. I'm going to say, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And I think He's going to say, come. And we're going to go to work. And here's what I want to tell you. I believe the world needs us to be people of miraculous faith. Don't let this shake you. Don't let this make you fearful. Don't let this move you at all. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve this Lord. What are we going to do? Pastor, what are we going to do? We're going to go to God. We're going to get His Word. And then we're going to faith it and work. And then God's going to do the miracle. And we get to live in the wonder of His work. To God be the glory. Amen. Stand. I know this is simplistic. But it's real. I just want to ask you something here. How many of you will raise your hand and say, Pastor, I believe God is a sovereign God. Let me see your hand. Look around just a minute. I believe God's a sovereign God. Then let me tell you, He's sovereign over whatever you're facing too. He's sovereign over your family. He's sovereign over your problem. He's sovereign sovereign over your future. And I love to say it, God just knows what He's doing. He just knows what He's doing. And I feel like... There's a necessity. Just let's be honest. How many of you in this room would really like to hear a word from the Lord in your life right now? I'd really like to hear a word. Last Sunday, we were sitting like this, standing like this, and the Spirit of the Lord prompted me, and I just stopped us. I just stopped us and gave the Lord time to speak to us individually. And I just feel like we're going to ask these people to sing. And I want us just to literally take a minute to be still. And say, Lord, we're so boisterous, the wind, all this stuff going on, God's school and COVID and all these sort of things. And we're just got this, Satan gets us in a turmoil and politics. If I, ladies and gentlemen, I get frankly so upset about it. I get angry. I get, I get frustrated. And you know what? When my wife tries to correct me about something, I'm short-fused. And you know what a pushover she is. It's not any different probably in your home. I want us to just say, Lord, stop. We're going to stop. All this boisterous wind, all that's contrary. In the midst of it, I want you to speak to me.